Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. We have an iTunes review in Sweden. I can only say the Swedish iTunes, All right, iTunes reviews. It. This one is from Malinskis. Uh, he or she is giving us three stars out of five, but the subject is good. And Malinskis says, nerdy <laughs> history, the way we want it. Thank you, Malinskis. That's great. <laughs> I, I... We have 13 uh, reviews on uh, the Swedish iTunes list, and our average uh, grade is not too bad. Probably that three-star one there brought us down a little bit, but hey, that's all right. I, I remember one time a guy did some work for me, and I I thought it was great, and I gave him four stars, and he said, what's the matter? And I said, I don't know. It was good. I thought, what's wrong? I'll give you five stars unless it's, like, amazing. <laughs> Please give us five-star reviews on iTunes if you hear this. Okay, we are talking about Greek colonies today, right? Wrapping up the 630s BC, we have a couple of uh, cool Greek colonies. I'll just tell you them one at a time instead of previewing it because the first one is okay. in the, the black sea area remember they say the greeks were like frogs sitting around a pond eventually and they're on the black sea and um the colony is called sinope it's different spellings and different ways it's s-i-n-o-p-e is the way i have it here yeah i would say like sinope it's got a um sometimes it's just with no e and then it's just like sinope so, you know, today that's in Turkey, so I think they call it something of a Turkish type of language. On the north coast of Turkey, fairly close to Ankara, yeah, right? Yeah, Ankara is more in the center there, but if you see on the map, it's right on the it's dead center in the middle south of the Black Sea. All right. Pops out a little, it's a little. So it was founded, they say actually it could be refounded 
um, in six thirty around six thirty BC by colon, colonists from Miletus. Miletus started a lot of colonies, I believe. And Miletus is such a powerful Greek city, situated on the west coast of Turkey. It's a troublemaker too, isn't it? How the, the didn't the Trojan War sort of get started from because of Miletus? Oh, they they are in for a rough time in the yeah. future as well. So anyway, these guys. Uh, started a colony there so if you measure it by land it's about 834 kilometers which is 520 miles i think they would have got there by sea though because they could go through the bosphorus there so you would basically where europe meets asia you know go around and then yes right on that big old black sea there what's up with the refunding oh the refunding i mean how could you a city like that in that area of turkey 630 BC, that's it. There's probably been something there for 10,000 years, honestly. So, um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, it probably was a Hittite port named Sinua until the until the uh, Bronze Age collapse. Could have been something before then, too. I mean, civilization's been there for 12,000 years. But it um, it does become, a, later on, it becomes an important link, you know, from the Greeks. They found their own cities. You know, this whole Black Sea area... There's a lot of trade going on and then through the Bosphorus. So the Greeks, I think, just wanted to, you know, get their own, get their foot in the door there, so to speak, and get started. Because we think the Assyrians also had used it as a port, too, which would, you know, they're not sure. They're trying to find out from archaeology, but it would make sense. I mean, the Assyrians, if we're there. Yeah, but the Assyrians are lousy true. seafarers. So there's probably an incentive to build the port there to take some Assyrian trade over the Exactly. Sea. Even they, they probably just, you know, if we see how they handled like the little, you know, the little, the Phoenician type, the Phoenician countries and that little island, I think Arvad, I think they let the people do the port business, but they tell them if you don't do it the way we say, you know, we'll flay you and all that kind of stuff. But this is fairly, fairly far from Assyrian influence, right? You have the Lydians and uh, uh, your favorite guy. Yeah, guy nearby. just... You do, and even the Cimmerians may have used it as a port at some point. They say maybe a division of Cimmerians may have been stationed there. Not, I don't know if Cy- the Cimmerians divided themselves up in special divisions, but um, it's also it's to the uh, north though of Tabal. You remember Tabal? Isn't that where Sargon got killed? Sargon was wasn't he killed in Sagal, Tabal? I would think that is pretty far south, considering how much mountains there are. But it's funny that. That mentioned because in that area the re- the name of the city Sinope is because of an they exported a mineral called now it's called Sinope as well and it came from Tabal so they mine it there and then they bring it up north to the port and that's where it exports from. Okay, this is when we know it from you know the Greek times, but I I mean if they had that mineral and it's it's isn't it crazy how humans just love red like dye, you know, like that red ochre was always a popular thing and that kind of thing. So, oh, it's a great color. It's a red earth pigment called Sinopia, and it was mined in in Tabal, which became Cappadocia. I always like that word, Cappadocia. <laughs> it's like central Turkey. And we have like where I live, we have kind of have a stuff like that. When they used to mine coal where I'm from, they there's iron now also in the mines and then the, this iron ore comes out and it gets into the river and then because it gets air and stuff in it, it, it rusts. So it's like this rusty color, and the, the river's like loaded with it. And you could, I actually tie-dyed shirts with it before. Wow. But this Sinope stuff, too, 
it was it was used throughout the Renaissance too. So there's actually a museum in right near the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The, it's called the Museum of Sinopi. That's plural in Italian for Sinope. And what they would do with this stuff um, is paint. So if you can do a painting, you would use this stuff first to sort of sketch it out. And they sometimes do it on frescoes, and they would use this this you know this brown color stuff to paint, and then then they would paint fill in the painting afterwards. So you know these Greeks, man, they're like they're good marketers. You know they they get this stuff. They call this Sinope. They have this city. They package it. Oh, they even had a seal for it. Um, that so you knew it was a genuine product, and it shipped it all over the ancient world, and then eventually all over you know into the Middle Ages and everything. Nice. There's also some legendary stuff from this area. You know, like. Yeah. Oh, well, you no. know Europa. Yeah, but you know, like the Greek myth of Europa. Tell me. Like, okay, I had to remember. Look it up and remember because it was one of those things you forgot. So Zeus at one time, throughout, let's say around fifteen hundred BC, and so um, there's this guy um, Phineas. His he was the son of the king of Tyre, and so his sister is Europa, and she was playing out in the field with their you know other young maidens or whatever, and Zeus saw her and, of course, loved her and fell in love with her and yada, yada. So he turned himself into, a like, a nice tame bull, and she came and pet the bull, and then she got on the bull. She decided she wanted to ride the bull, so she got on the bull to ride it, and he immediately jumped in the ocean and swam all the way to Crete. <laughs> wow, Zeus, what a dirty bastard. So according to the legend, Phineas and his uh, four brothers uh, departed their Phoenician home and, you know, in search of their sister. And Phineas, he gives up his search in eastern Thrace. So that's kind of near where we are, but more towards the eastern side. And then um, then he settled there, started a city of his own, and then his four sons found a kingdoms along the coast there. So one of those... W- weren't they his brothers? No, no, his sons. His brothers, his other brothers went other places. His Later on, his okay. sons, and one of his sons, you know, by legend, would have been in this area, in Sinope. And this got a history, though. The Strabo, Strabo says the people of this region fought the Trojan War on the side of the Trojans. And then, as like seems like everybody who from everywhere in the West was, was originally a Trojan, these guys supposedly migrated to Italy and became the Veneti tribe, meaning like Venice. If you remember, we had some other people that okay, I- uh, supposedly migrated to northern Italy after the Trojan War. No, yeah, but I mean, like, from way back then, there was one of, we covered it, there was one... Somebody. I forget who it was now. <laughs> it's the, the Trojans themselves that become the Romans uh, when uh, Virgilius tries to uh, merge every story. Must be some history based in that where they, I don't know. I won't be. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> DNA evidence, Sai. We need the DNA evidence. Sai and I have that joke. We laugh about all the DNA stuff. Some people are. Anyway, yeah, it's good stuff. So some, so... Let me tell you about this place, how it got started here. Also, how the Greeks, I mean, ended up getting there. No, that's actually, I know exactly how the Greeks got there in, in the next colony. This one, we, as far as we know, they came in through the, uh, you know, the, through the Bosphorus. The, um, the climate is nice there. I could see why they'd want to go. It has a, sub, a humid subtropical climate, warm summers, an average daytime high of 26 degrees Celsius, which is 79 degrees Fahrenheit. And temperatures rarely exceed 30 degrees Celsius or 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Winters are cool and wet with the average February temperature just below 7 degrees Celsius, 45 degrees Fahrenheit, which is not too bad for winter compared to 
Sounds great. We have minus seven degrees Celsius. And seven here right in Sweden. They, they, in winter, you guys probably put your suntan lotion on, right? Yes, and all the sort of restaurants have tables outside. I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's like I. Swedes really want to sit outside when they can. Totally get it. It's similar here, although the climate change is starting to get a little warmer. It's, uh, I mean, it's funny, when I was traveled, in, I went to Sicily in like maybe, you know, this was years ago, but it might have been, say, May. And I was, I mean, we were on the beach, and there was people walking around in coats. <laughs> so it depends on where you grow up, <laughs> what you're used to. So um, that city, that's that. There's nobody, in, you know how I always like to say, oh, this guy came from there, that guy came from there? Not really. Nobody really too famous came from there. So It was all uh, just red color that came from there. So this area is called Pafalo. Paphlagonia, Paphlagonia. Oh yeah, like Patagonia, it's Paphlagonia. So it's kind of like the city is Sinope, but the area is that. It's, it is an ancient region, and it's, it is mountainous and rugged. There's some fertile valleys where you, they could grow stuff, but the funny thing is it says the inhabitants were often regarded as ungovernable barbarians. Now the Greeks came and I guess covered them. But it sounds great you have the mountains protecting you you have some fertile valleys and then you just come by sea and go by sea uh, i guess wait for the miners to come up with their with their sinope and then ship it in the ships a little gig going there a good work sinope yeah good work. i love when you say <laughs> good work sinope well we're gonna move all the way over now to sicily so and these these two there's two more colonies that were founded um, in Sicily for this podcast, and they're both Greek, but they both came from other Greek colonies in Sicily. So it wasn't one of these where they came from Greece. And then, so now these colonies are ex- even expanding. It's kind of like a, a spreading pandemic. Yeah, it is. I guess that's probably how the locals felt about it. <laughs> now it's a spreading pandemic. It's really interesting, this Sicily. Sicily is sort of like, you know, it's this. they started colonizing it in the 700s B.C., and the Greeks and um, the Carthaginians too fight, kind of fighting over it. Well, they will start fighting over it. it becomes a big contention. But they're like, they're like sort of like natives, you know, like the Native Americans and this clash of cultures. You know, these more civilized, to so to speak, Greeks come in and move in. And these, this, um, they're called like sickles. There's different kinds of that were local, you know, indigenous to Sicily. Genetically and archaeologically, they're the same, but there was like three tribes. But anyway, it must have been quite a clash of cultures, right, at the time. Sort of like our own, you know, when they found the New World. Yeah, they, they're used to Phoenicians from earlier, but they are fairly easy to have uh, in your area. They're just yeah. a trading colony. But the Greeks are a whole nother matter. Yeah, good point. So this, this colony is called Himera, the first one. And the thing is, we sort of... We said, I had this, that's 6.30, but it might not be 6.30, but you know, these things are murky. Could have been in the 6.40s, but we didn't talk about in the 6.40s, and we like to try to clear things up, so. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's around the same time here. Yes. So like I said, way back in the 700s, the Greeks had started colonizing Sicily. And around 730, they founded the city of Zankel, which is... Z-A-N-C-L-E, that's modern-day Messenia. That's all the way on the right, so that's on the uh, on the east coast. Sicily, this um, the east-northeast, and this Hemera is like right in the center on the north. All this, the scholars agree that Hemera was a colony of Zanko, you know, Messina, but Thucydides tells us that emigrants from Zanko also mingled with a bunch of Syracusian exiles, resulting in a city with Chalcidic institutions, and a Doric dialect. I'm not super up on the... I mean, I know there is a huge difference in the Doric Greeks and the Ionian Greeks and the Archaic Greeks. Obviously, it was a big political thing for hundreds of years. This city was sort of a mix. Kind of cool. So it's probably in the 640s that this was founded. It was the first Greek settlement in this part of the island, and this became a strategic outpost just outside the eastern boundary where the Carthaginians controlled the west side. So this is sort of like on a border. So Because Hemera commanded the sea lanes, sea lanes along the north coast of the island, as well as the major land route leading south across the island. So so it's funny, like I say, when you look at these pictures, of you've got to really look at the terrain. So if there's a, a nice route goes from Hemera to the south, well, that becomes an important place. Are you familiar with the name of this city, Hemera? No, I wasn't. Well, I wasn't. I'm pro- we probably both have heard about it at some point and forgot, you know. But um, and if we get to the four to four eighties, there's a huge battle in Hemera, biggest you know initial battles between the Greeks and the Carthaginians, and it's called the Battle of Hemera. I'm not going to like go totally into it. I'm hoping we get there, but that is a huge battle. It's like three hundred thousand, they say, you know, Carthaginians, and they they actually came from the next colony we're going to talk about and moved their way up to this one. And there was a humongous battle, and it was right around the same time as the the Persians were invading Greece. So, and throughout, then later on, they the it's probably didn't happen at the same time, but they made it like a, in legend or you know that they were both fought at the same time. In other words, the Greeks beat the Carthaginians this day, and they beat the Phoenicians. I'm sorry, the Persians on the other day. That's kind of cool. I now realized why I haven't heard of Hymera. It's called something else. Uh, it was destroyed by the Carthaginians later that in is 408 correct. BC. So it's not there during the Roman times, which is, of course, what I know. Uh, you know, this if we could get if we get that far, I don't even. It's going to be a lot of 
Reese, a lot of information because this the Carthaginians and the Greeks battling over Greece, I'm sorry, battling over Sicily was quite a story. There's like video games on it. I remember watching a, like a YouTube video of like people playing strategy games of, you know, conquest of Sicily. And it's all sadly going to end with the Romans I know. taking everything. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> so true. But wait, I just want to mention why, because I was, uh, the History of Greece podcast really opened my eyes to this. During the time of the Persian Wars, there was a lot going on in this battle, particularly going on in Sicily. And the Persians were like pumping up the Carthaginians to attack the Greeks there so that they couldn't get any of the Greek mercenaries to fight them again. And they, the Greeks still kicked everyone's butt. <laughs> There's something else. So that's the end of that one. We have one more colony. Go ahead. And it's, all, it's also in Sicily. Now, this one we do think was founded around 630, and it's called Selinus. Selinus. And it was founded from also from uh, colonists from Sicily, and they were from Megara Hablia, which is on the bottom right. So that will be on the south um, east. And it's funny, they're around the same time. They, and this one is, this colony is like in the heart of like Carthaginian territory and native territory. So this was a, this was probably a contentious place. It became one of the most important colonies again, too, because it was on the mouth of a river and it was, you know, connected those two, those two, you know, the other to Hamera. So according to Thucydides, it was founded by, you know, Megara under this guy named Pamelus. And we don't, I don't know anything about Pamelus. So this is another hundred years after the foundation of the other city, their mother city, same as the last one. You know, it's about a hundred years later, it's like five generations, their colonists are coming up, going around, you know, setting up another one. Yeah, and they're really pushing the Carthaginians' borders. And you figure they were probably there for a couple hundred years, and they're thinking like, "All right, what are you guys doing?" Yeah, there's there's the difference of their the nature of their colonization that Phoenicians are much less intrusive. Right, right, correct. So this one, yeah, six thirty. So the name of the colony, the name of the city there, is supposedly derived from um, wild celery that grew on this spot, and then they eventually adopted the celery leaf as a symbol on their coinage there <laughs> okay so i mean that's what we know about it you know at the time we're talking but a little history and a little for what happens in the future um the phoenicians don't really they call them the phoenicians right the carthaginians the phoenicians don't really have conflict with the greeks yet um they let them stay for a while but around 580 they started a battle with the non-greeks called the um the Elimian people, which have a little city and a territory near there. So they were the natives, right? And But these Elimian people, apart from mythological tales, we don't really know much about them. But um, after the Greeks started coming in, they really appear to have adopted many aspects of Greek culture. And they even um, there's even a, a, a remarkable temple that they that they a Greek style temple in this city. It's called Segesta. That were the This Segesta and our um, colony here, Salunus, they, Salinas, they um, fight each other for a long time. <laughs> um, but they actually, these people, these locals actually learned the Greek um, alphabet. They started using the alphabet, but no one has deciphered their language yet. So that's... Um, so they, they write their own alphabet, their own language correct. in the Greek alphabet, but we still can't read it. That just goes to that. That means their language was so different. There's no Indo Europe. You know what I mean? We can't even find a like a common. That's really amazing when you think about it. This didn't make it either because on 409, they got sacked too. 
I, I wonder if it uh, were the Greeks that thought it was the Greek alphabet. Could it could easily have been the Phoenician alphabet? True. Which is the father of the Greek alphabet? If they have good relations with the Carthaginians, they do. They they actually so so this you know the do you remember you might remember this because I, I had to look it up again but I do remember it. Remember they the um the disastrous Sicilian ex um, expedition by Athens during the Peloponnesian War. So this is this colony is this place is how it kind of got started because the Selenians, um, I'm sorry, the Selenians, yes, and that other, you know, the Elamites, the Elimians, who argue with each other, these Elimians allied with Carthage and Athens, and they talked Athens into coming and, you know, kicking their butts over here, but then Athens went somewhere else and then they lost their whole fleet and everything. It killed the general, if I recall correctly. And then, um, so that was 415 BC around then. So, but by 409, they got the Carthaginians to attack it and they sacked it really good. I mean, I've read it was destroyed, but then finding out, you know, it's still there and stuff like that. But they really, you know, ransacked it pretty good. So that was, but we'll get to that maybe in about 200 episodes. 200 episodes. So the Olympians really didn't like Salinas. Yeah. It's like what you said. They they know the Greeks are a little bit more intrusive than they... But they must have, you know, it's like anything. Some of them probably did like them and some didn't. And probably liked the plays. I love the fact that they were using Greeks against Greeks. The Greeks are always fighting against Greeks. They're Greeks fought in the Persian Wars, didn't they? So, oh, yes. But, I mean, that's pretty much all we got for these three colonies. Well, that's good, I think, what we got. But that's the end of the 630s. We're going to have to, you know, get into the 620s. Yes. And that will be very interesting. Surely there will be more Greek colonies, but we'll also have the fall of the empire. We will. And you know what? I want to mention this book that I'm reading to the readers, and I'm going to try to get to see if I can hold the author. His name is Paul M. M. Cooper, and the book is called All Are Our... I knew I was going to forget it. (laughs) All Are Forgotten Idols. Wait, I'm going to look it up. We'll fix that. But it's it's amazing. It's like it's a it's actually a well written novel, and it takes place in the time of Ashurbanipal. And you know, a lot of times these historical fiction they could be really crappy and tacky. Either they're like a good written book, or they don't have good history. Well, this one is really good. I was amazed. And it, I mean, he talks about like there's a part in there where they're they're like they have Tuman's head, right? And they're like using it as a model. To, they literally have his head in the book. So you can tell the guy did his research, but then it also has you know time in the present where there there's an archaeologist digging up stuff in um, Iraq in Mosul, and I'm only halfway through the book, and there's a lion involved and Ashurbanipal, and it's a really good. Sounds interesting. Well, I'm going to tell you the name of it right now. I'm going to look it up. Tell me. I am going to tell you. It's on my Google Play books. It's all. Our Broken Idols by Paul M. M. Cooper. It's a really, I'm telling you what, anybody who listens to this podcast and likes and reads a book, reads books and likes the Assyrian Empire, this book is really good. So, All Our Broken Idols. Drop a link on the Facebook to it. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will do that. Please check out our Facebook. I've been getting messages on Facebook. I've been posting some cool stuff. So, hope you guys enjoy it. Also remember our Patreon, patreon.com, search for Fano History if you like this show and want it, and <laughs> if you want to keep it going. We need your help. Yes. Send us some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, 
It's great, though. We appreciate it. Ingots of gold, because we don't have coins. Here. Yeah, we'll take camels. <laughs> no, no, no camels. Wait, let me remember to say this now, so I can remember to bring it up after, too. But the, I've been thinking about the camels and the Syrian empire and inflation and the collapse of the empire eventually. You know, like they didn't understand inflation, but I wonder, you know, if that also had a part, a big thing to do with it. If they all had this rampant, you know, um, economic collapses because they had all this inflation and stuff. You know, you never know what other factors played in. Are you blaming the fall of the empire on camels? Yes, I am. <laughs> I Yesterday I recorded an episode of my pandemic podcast which is about historic pandemics. Mm-hmm. And I covered MERS, uh, Middle East Respiratory Oh, yeah, MERS, Syndrome, yeah, yeah. Which comes from camels. Aha, see? So at it again. Exactly. And one last thing, I, I watched a movie, Synchronic, last night, and I thought this was a funny line. The guy said, you kind of go back into time, and every time you go back in time, it's like crazy. You know, they're getting killed and stuff, and the guy comes back and he's recording, he goes... I learned this. The past sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot harder in those days. <laughs> sure was. And we'll learn more about that in our next episode. We shall. More nerdy history to come, guys. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Bernie. See you later, Dan. Cheers. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.